the, why the stage? Well, the crazy thing is in digital, we, our attention is fragmented. And that's, it's an attention economy. Huh? The Facebook yeah. buys WhatsApp because the attention is there. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. Today, we're sitting down with Chris Baldwin. This dude is doing some massive, massive things in the public speaking space. And since that's an area that I am branching out into more myself these days, I wanted to have him on the show to share with you guys his best tips, tricks, strategies that he has used to become the fastest growing speaker in the Netherlands. Um, within three months of him starting his speaking career, he already had a TED Talk, and he's got a crazy story that goes along with that, how he actually prepared and gave that TED Talk in the same day, which was just mind-blowing to me to hear somebody just like on the spot come up with their TED Talk and how he was able to grow that. He talks a lot about storytelling and the frameworks that you need to be an effective public speaker, really captivate people, hold their attention, and um, just make a significant amount of money doing this. Because I mean, at this point, he's really scaled his income dramatically, even in just the first beginning of his speaking career. Now he's been doing it for over a year, and that's just exponentially scaled. So I'm, I'm super stoked to dive into this. Again, public speaking, somewhere that I'm super passionate about. My mom is a, is a huge public speaker. That's what she does for a living. So I'm always fired up to hear from amazing public speakers like Chris. So without further ado, um, I want you guys to sit back, relax, plug in, and enjoy this episode of Young Smart Money with uh, the Netherlands' number one fastest growing public speaker, Chris Baldwin. All right, Chris, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Apple. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It is my pleasure. So our listeners got to hear a little bit about you and what you're currently doing in the intro to this episode. But for those of them that aren't familiar with who you are, what you're working on right now, can you give us a quick like 60 second snapshot of what you're doing right now? Uh, very much uh, speaking on, on stages across the world. So I'm a keynote speaker, which uh, accidental keynote speaker actually, <laughs> and, um, and mainly training people on how to become uh, the best version of themselves, you know, how to get up there and really communicate their vision and their mission. Um, within organizations, but also entrepreneurs trying to really um, uh, communicate what they have to offer to the world. Awesome. I love it. So I want to start off by sort of flashing back in time to like your early upbringing, because um, I know you have a bit of an interesting story there. So talk to us about that time period, like middle school, high school years. Were you getting involved in, in speaking? What were you doing? Were you taking school seriously? Was it sports? Was it music? Like what did that time period look like for you? Yeah. So um uh, I was brought up on a tropical island. I was actually born in Vanuatu and, uh, and grew up there for about the first 13 years and then went to boarding school in Australia. And, um, you know, I never really took much to school in the early days until, um, until, until my dad sort of gave me these books that uh, described the power of emotion to remember things. You know, we, we're very selective in our memory and we remember the things we want to remember. And those things are usually things that have a strong emotional connection with us. And he gave me these books and I started reading them and it described, you know, if you're emotional about something, you will remember it better. And, and so I started to apply this into my study and uh, from, you know, failing everything, I started to get a hundred percent in everything. So I ended up getting a hundred percent, uh, like I did, a, I did a bachelor, got complete 100% everywhere, got cum laude, got a master's, got 100% everywhere, got cum laude. And then I ended up doing a PhD even in medicine, which I never even used. And, and one, of the tricks, it, it, one of the tricks was that I got very emotional about the content that I had to remember. So I cried over it, literally cried over it. And I remembered everything. 
And, uh, and, and really the message my dad was sending me when he gave me those books was um, do what you love. You know, if you do what you love, then it's not work anymore. You're going to want to do it and you're going to remember it. And when you remember it, you're going to remember the facts and the figures and all the information. And that's going to be much easier in your exams. So that was my schooling. <laughs> <laughs> so when you said you were like crying over this information, like it wasn't like, why were you like making yourself do that so that you would remember it better or like what like why yeah so um i became the straight sevens guy um and why uh, probably for girls you know <laughs> impress your mates you know that sort of stuff i think that you know at that time the why was really can i do something remarkable you know can my friends like me can uh, the girls like me what can I do? You know, I was also very much in sports. You know, I've rode for, at top level for 20 years for Australia and, and the Netherlands. So I did lots on sports. But on the academic side, you know, I, I, the thing is I quit my PhD uh, three times. I still got it and I got cum laude and I published 10 times and I, I developed a vaccine for HIV. I quit my master's twice, but I still got cum laude. I got through it. And I've actually, the first year of my bachelor, I was put on probation. Like they wanted to kick me out and I still got cum laude. And, um, and I don't know how I got through it, actually. It's, I think it's, it's just, just pure luck. But really, the people around me, I think, got me through it. And, oh. and it was just a matter of, you know, impressing them and making them feel like they, they played a part in it. So talk to us about that quitting. Like, why did you quit your programs? Um, so, yeah. Uh, well, firstly, when I was growing up as a teenager, now I'm, 40, I'm going to be 45 soon. So I'm, I've, I've ticked along a little bit, but all I want to do is kill people. Like as a teenager, I mean, all I wanted to do really was become a mercenary, um, you know, and, and, uh, and that's all I wanted to do. I mean, at the age of 16, my school holidays were uh, walking out into the bush, walkabout. I was in Australia. So I spent weeks and weeks. Most of my holidays were spent just walking out in the bush uh, with the bare minimum like the bed, just disconnecting from everything. Wow. <laughs> just like, tip, just like walking, just like walking. Yeah. Like as a crow flies, like I would just walk in a, in a, in a westerly direction until I felt like turning around and coming back. And sometimes it was, uh, you know, the longest one was three months. Wow. Yeah. Like, and what the <laughs> why? Like, well, <laughs> If we rewind a little bit, that tropical island that I grew up on, Vanuatu, um, you know, it's incredible growing up on a tropical island. I mean, I almost lost my life once because um, there, there are cyclones coming out of the island all the time. Wow. And they kill a lot of people. <laughs> and uh, my dad rescued me from one of those cyclones. Literally, we we're trying to rescue the washing machine. Um, and these, these cyclones are pretty strong. Eh? I mean, 250 kilometer winds. You get caught in one of these slipstreams, you're, you're out in the ocean, you're up in the air. Like it'll take you with it. And, um, and, and I just got lifted off the ground and he caught me by my hair and pulled me back. Like I was 11 years old. Wow. <laughs> and, um, and if, but if we run a little bit, like my dad was chief pilot of Vanuatu Airlines for 26 years and he was an alcoholic. And my mum was also an alcoholic. He made her into an alcoholic. And if you rewind all the way back, my oldest memory is my dad trying to kill my mum. And I was under the kitchen table. I was four, maybe five. Like he was in, in that period of four to five years old, my oldest memory. 
and I was completely speechless. I couldn't say anything. I don't even remember. It was just, all I remember was that my dad was on one side with a kitchen knife and covered with blood, and my mum was on the other side screaming, and my sister was eight months in her belly. That's all. That's my oldest memory. And when you're talking about, you know, so I built up a lot of resilience. I think, I mean, I'm not the only one. I mean, when you talk to people, some people have gone through crazy things in their childhood. And, but I don't regret any of it. I mean, it built the character that I'm ex exhibiting now. It's like it built resilience. It's like, it's incredible to have lived a life like that. And on the one side, it's a paradise, a tropical island. On the other, you have to deal with all these family issues. And, um, and, you know, why am I speaking today on podiums? There's a few reasons, but maybe it's that one. It's, it was the fact that my oldest memory, I was speechless and powerless under a kitchen table, couldn't say anything. And now all I want to do is, um, is, is help people. And I do that through the stage. Wow. That's yeah. huge. So were these like, these like month long, like walks, was that just like a way for you to like disconnect and like get away from everything? Yeah, I didn't know at the, at the time. But I think it allowed for long periods of reflection. You know, it allowed disconnection. There was no phones, no technology. And, and literally I had a slingshot. So I caught my own food. I didn't bring food with me. So I'm really good with a slingshot. Um, yes, you gotta you know, be. Goannas, snakes, uh, a, a lot of fishing, like uh, from eels to, to fish. And, but a lot of lop, uh, uh, freshwater crayfish. You know, you just go into the billy bongs. And you just trawl your hands through the mud and you throw the crayfish up on the bank and then you have a feast. The only thing is you're covered in leeches when you come out of the billy bong. <laughs> so that's the downside. <laughs> I've never tried to eat those. Wow. That's yeah, wild. Those times of reflection. Yeah. I think um, I talk a lot now about meaningful connections. Mm -hmm. I've got a TEDx talk. Yeah. And it went viral uh, on YouTube at least for a day. You know, those algorithms can be pretty... Um, pretty, pretty tough on, on some of these videos, you know that. And, uh, but it went viral and, um, and I, I'm probably one of the only people in the world that can say they prepared and gave their first TED talk on the same day. <laughs> wow. Talk to us about that. So it's pretty crazy. It's, um, so as a speaker, I only started last August. I only okay. started last August. Within three months, I was the fastest growing speaker in the Netherlands. Within four months, I found myself on the, on the number one spot of the top 10 speaker list for this year. And so it went really fast. And, uh, and, and just in the beginning of month three, I did a TED talk. Now it was the day, so this TED talk came to me the day before. It was my agent, he, I told him I wanted to do a TED talk. So of course, when, when TEDx uh, University of Amsterdam called him, he, he thought about me. And this is the thing that, you know, if you want something, you need to put it out there. If you put it out there, people are going to know about it. And when the opportunity arises with them, they're going to contact you. Yep. And a lot, of the, a lot of the why we're not achieving a lot of the things that we want to achieve is that firstly, we, we, we're not sure what it is. So get clear on that. And secondly, when you are clear on it, put it out there. People, people. will help you. Yeah. And so I put it out there and I put it out there repeatedly across multiple um, people that, that had influence, that got opportunities. And, and so he called me the day before. He said, would you like to do a TED talk? And I said, sure. When is it? And he goes, tomorrow. <laughs> and and the, the, what, you, what you don't know is that I was sick in bed at the time. I had a fever. My voice was at about 60%. Uh, my, my joints were all aching. I literally, I was probably on, I don't know, 39 degrees. And, uh, and, 
the day after my TED talk, so 48 hours after the call, I had my first biggest gig, 1200 people, main stage, plein air keynote, the first time I'm representing my agency, I had all the reason in the world to say no and, and just stay in bed and recover for this next day. Um, and I even called a Tedify coach that, and I, you know, I asked her for advice, like, what should I do? Should I do it? And she goes, don't do it. Don't do it. And she repeated, don't do it, please, Chris, whatever you do, don't do it. Because if you do a bad TED talk and it goes on YouTube and you're trying to build a speaking career, you're not going to get booked. You know, it's, it's a pretty risky business and people prepare months for a TED talk. Like, so um, I rang back the event managers. I decided I'm going to do it anyway. Wow. And because it's Uva, it's where I did my PhD. I did a PhD in medicine, developed a vaccine for HIV at the Uva, at the main hospital here in Amsterdam. And so it was a perfect place to do my first TED talk. And, um, and I called them and they said, um, they, firstly, they were, they were really happy because they were stressed out. They were you know, they needed like people buy tickets to these things. There are eight yeah. speakers who had pulled out because they were sick. Um, so they were really happy I was coming in. And then they told me the theme of the event. I didn't know there were themes to this event and the theme was crossing borders. So I now had to prepare a talk about crossing borders. <laughs> I'm going, Oh no. So I went really stressed to bed. Like I didn't have a story, put my alarm for 5am, woke up uh, and by 7am I had a story. And, um, and, and I, I thought I'd always talk about technology and how to build, how we're building relationships through technology. You know, mm -hmm. we're sort of, and, and, and how we're, um, we're becoming hyper-connected through this technology and the information that's reaching us is sort of, you know, it's empowering us on the one end, but it's, it's also bringing in the paradox of choice where there's too much stuff. How am I going to choose? So, so, you know, you, you outsource those decisions to algorithms that can decide for you, but who are those algorithms in what interest are they acting in? You know, they're acting in the interests of the organizations that make them, often not in your best interest. And, and this was what my TED talk was about. And it was really about, well, crossing borders. What better topic to talk about than technology? Technology disregards borders. It breaks them down. It makes them irrelevant in many cases. It, it's only relevant to the level of regulation we put up on it and to the rules we encode into it. It's a very relevant topic. And I gave this TED talk, it's 40 minutes, it's on YouTube, and it was rated the best TED talk of the day. It was rated the most relevant to crossing borders, <laughs> and it went viral. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is wild. That is, that is a crazy, crazy story. And on the next day, this was the biggest law firm in the Netherlands. I opened with this story, <laughs> and I loved it. Yeah, and now, I'm, I'm, I'm um, a consultant for them. It's my biggest client. Wow. That is wild. So what made you able to grow your speaking career so quickly? I mean, from going from like nothing to like one of the fastest and the fastest growing speaker in the Netherlands. So I developed seven mindsets. And these seven mindsets are basically my decision-making framework. I believe that life is about choices. And the faster, more effectively you can make those choices, the faster you move. Do you go left or do you go right? Do you say yes or do you say no? And we get caught up in our choices. And, we get, and then we doubt ourselves. And then we slow down and we go, oh, what if? Oh, what if this happens? Oh, no. And then, and then we sort of start to doubt ourselves and we don't move forward. But what if you can just put up a framework and then when someone asks you something or asks you to do something, it's very simple. You just go left or right. Does it, does it abide by these mindsets or doesn't it? And so I made these seven mindsets and 
before I give them to you, what, what you got to realize is that I've been speaking for about a year for my organization, for IPG Media Brands. It's one of the big five media labels. And I've been speaking quite frequently, sometimes multiple times a day, um, but on behalf of my organization, for organizations like Microsoft, like Google, like Facebook, um, and, and the EAB, uh, which is the main interactive advertising um, organization that's worldwide. And uh, my first major keynote was in 2016. And I turned up, it was an it was a it was an invitation by Microsoft to speak, and it was the opening keynote to a major gala. I turned up, I thought there were 50 people in the room. I had 70 slides. I wasn't even prepared. It was just sort of like I had 30 minutes and I turned up and there were 600 people. And it was a major, major stage, like you know, four meters of elevation, a screen, the biggest screen I've ever seen in my life, and, and all these people were having dinner. And it was a major gala event, music, band, lights, you know, people wow. dancing and, um, and everything went wrong. Like the, <laughs> the slides didn't work. The, the video, I had four videos in my presentation, none of them worked. And, um, and, and, but it was one of the best presentations I've ever given. And up until a year later, I was still getting fan mail from that presentation. And that presentation is what got me on many, many stages, hundreds of stages before I became pro. And, um, and why, so even you can see it, it's on YouTube. It's got over a thousand views. That's not much, but when you consider it's a 45 minute keynote, pretty dry, like it's, it's about technology and it's pretty industry specific and it's on a channel that's not watched all that much. So, you know, maybe one day it'll take off, but, uh, and, um, all I did was I was just myself. Like uh, all I did, I even told them at the beginning, you know, like this is, this is my first keynote. Like <laughs> I'm the opening keynote speaker. And, and why I said that it's the only time I would be able to say that without lying. Hmm. And I wanted to acknowledge that because that's, that is for many people still, they still have to do their first keynote. And a lot of people would like to get to the stage and, and be a thought leader in their industry. It gets you promotions. It gets you opportunities. It gets you a lot of things. And, um, and so I'd been speaking for about a year and then, and then this, this guy was, so I've, I've trained a lot of people coming into the organizations, learning and development, really young people like 19, 20, 21 coming in. And this guy, um, Anton was his name. He said, why don't you just become a speaker? And like out of the blue like that, like, I went, I went, no, you don't want to do that. Like it's the most boring thing in the world. All you do is repeat yourself over and over and over again. When you present for your organization, they want you to present a message and you just keep repeating it. It's like a parrot, you know, you pull out the string and off it goes again. <laughs> and it's, it's the most boring thing. And then I started to do the research and I thought, hang on a second. So I've taken, um, I had this little model and it's, it's basically where your passion um, uh, intersects with your skills yep. and for those skills and then a plan, a business model. Can you make money from this and do it sustainably? And I looked at speaking, I go, Oh my God, I'm really passionate about this stuff. I'll do it for free any day. I'm really good at it. People keep telling me I'm good at it. At first I didn't believe them, but they kept telling me. So eventually I had to believe it. Uh, and then is there a demand? Well, they keep asking me like daily, multiple times a day to speak. And then is there a business model? Hell yeah. So there's a business model behind speaking and you can earn a hell of a lot of money speaking. I mean, some of these speakers, you know, you're a speaker yourself. It not just you get paid for speaking, but you get paid to market yourself and upsell your products and services. Yeah. 
you know, from one keynote, like Accenture, do you know the big Accenture? Sure. Big management consulting. So I was there today. Um, I keynoted for them two months ago at one of their QBRs, one of their quarterly business um, um, meetings. And of the 70 people there, 40 people came up to me afterwards to say thank you, heartfelt, because I shared some personal stories. Uh, the managing director of Accenture Netherlands spent two hours with me. That was all the time he had after the conference. And now they've reached out saying, can you, can you teach us storytelling? And so I was there today and that's going to be another client of mine. <laughs> I'm going to teach Accenture how to present, how to pitch better. Uh, so those sorts of opportunities come in. So from a, a, a free talk, you could make a six figure revenue stream within the first 24 months. Oh, absolutely. And it's like making those connections I found to be so, so valuable because you never know like who is going to be in the audience or like who is really going to resonate with your message. And just every time you show up is another chance to, to make something happen. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, so I talk a lot about meaningful connections, sort of how to connect in a meaningful way in this hyper connected world we live in, you know, yeah. we're bombarded and pinged from every which way. And that's what my tech talk is about. And there's this number called the Dunbar number. It's 150. It's 150 meaningful relationships. Yep. And after that, things start to break down. That's how they even build organizations and divisions. They, after 150, they start to form divisions. And, and technology, you know, things like social platforms are, trying to, are challenging these rules. But the basic biology doesn't change. So we get, you know, overconnected. And so we seek the meaningful connections. And the, why the stage? Well, the crazy thing is in digital, we're, our attention is fragmented and that's, it's an attention economy. Huh? The, Facebook yeah. buys WhatsApp because the attention is there. And, uh, but on the stage, if you can grab people's attention, it's focused. You've got focused attention. One of the only places where you can have focused attention and it's real attention from real people and real eyes. You can touch people on an emotional level. So that was one of the reasons why I decided to take on speaking. So I, I got an agent, I got trained. I got trained by one of the best trainers in the world, a guy called Eric Edmeets last June. I quit my job in July. It was a six figure job. I just quit, you know, but I quit in a, in a funny and, and hilarious way. My speech when I came to the organization was, was um, you know, my goal is to be fired. And then I pause for the right reasons. <laughs> and then because I'm gonna push the dial, I'm gonna try and, you know, get my team because I was managing a team. Uh, to a high level and and that's going to take a lot of guts it's going to take a lot of courage and i'm going to take some arrows and i'm going to help you because if i go too hard i'm going to get fired too quickly we're not going to get there but if i go too slow we're not going to get there at all so i need your help sort of and and I, you need my help and we need to work as a team and uh and so when i left it was i'm still doing the same thing evangelism you know consulting but i'm just doing it externally now hmm. and so when i started in august i started with zero zero money I wanted, I wanted that way. I had a company before I've already retired at the age of 37. It made, you know, I made, I think six, 7 million within four years. And I was able to retire on that, have a few kids and, and, and just take five years off. Uh, that's another story. <laughs> uh, but I, I wanted to do it again. Um, and, and starting with zero. So month one, I made nothing. I was on peanut butter and crackers. Literally when I say zero, I had no money. I, I gave it all away. I stopped. I didn't want any money. I wanted my back up against the wall. That's the best place to be. Wow. And um, month two, I, I, got, I did a keynote in Vienna for 500 bucks. It was a closing keynote to the European print conference. Month three, I did my TED talk. 
I, I earned about eight and a half thousand with two other podiums. Month four, I was fully booked, twenty k. Wow. Month five, I so I got a an announcement, fastest growing speaker in the Netherlands, uh, with a lot of keynotes, and that's a pretty crazy story because um, I was doing the closing keynote to one of the big events in the Netherlands, and. Uh, uh, and he, um, and I heard that he got an infection in his leg. He had to get amputated. He didn't want to. So they cut the drug. So he was going to die within the next 24 to 48 hours. And, um, and then I had the choice. Do I fly back now or do I do my keynote tonight? And I chose to do my keynote. Because remember, it's my dad, this egotistical alcoholic that tried to kill my mom when I was four. And, uh, but he's the, he's the most wonderful man in the world. Like he is charismatic. Like you wouldn't believe his IQ is one at 185. Like Albert Einstein was 162. Like he was a really smart guy and, uh, and re everyone loved him, but he was sometimes that, that was the, my, so I went back, I got on the plane, Amsterdam, Brisbane, ran to the cab, the cab hooned to the airport, to the hospital. I ran to the ward and, uh, I had one hour with him before he passed. And, um, and I gave the eulogy at his funeral, 15 minutes. And I used all the techniques I, I, I have as a speaker. And, um, and one of the big things as a speaker is that, so I use speech maps. It's something I train people on. It's like mind maps. But, you know, in the beginning, you always try to get a laugh. You always try to make a big fat claim uh, so that you get people's attention. And then you tell a few stories. And then at the end, you have a strategic objective. And that's, uh, you know, what do they need to do next? But you always, always, always finish on time. That's one of my mindsets. So I did this whole thing clinically. You know, the, the laugh, for example, was, uh, so my last name is Baldwin. But I was, a lot of people make jokes, the bald one. Uh, mm. Luckily, I've got hair. But most of my dad's side, they don't have hair anymore. <laughs> And uh, so, and they're all bawling their eyes out. I mean, my dad's next to me in the coffin and I go, and so I started, you know, the last time you saw me, I was about this tall, but the last time I saw you, you had a lot more hair. And everyone <laughs> started laughing. And so I, I, I laugh and then I did my big fat claim. And that, that's another thing we, um, I'm not going to go into now. It'll be too long. Sure. But one of the things, it was about the four things that embodied my dad and the one thing he taught me. And the very first one, so as a speaker, what you learn is how to control your emotion. Because you can get into a personal story and sometimes that can be such a emotional time for you that you break down and you'll cry and, and, and you won't be able to finish your talk. But the thing is, people feel what you feel. So if you want people to, to cry, well, you need to get to that crying point. If you want people to be inspired, you need to be inspired. If you want people to... Um, to, to um, um, you know, to be happy and laugh, then you need to tell jokes and be happy and laugh. And, uh, you, and if you want people to be nervous then just be nervous, you know, and that's what most speakers are. People mm -hmm. feel what you feel. So if you're nervous on stage, the audience is going to be nervous. And, um, and so this emotional line, why we fear it is because we don't know where it is. Where is it? Like, when am I going to hit it? But when you know, as a speaker, when you hit it, then all of a sudden the fear goes away because you know where it is. And I hit it in this, this talk. And it was basically, you know, the first thing that embodied my dad, you know, if anyone had known my dad, they would have known he was a very proud man, sometimes a little bit too proud. And then I told the story about how he was born as Douglas Russell Baldwin, Dr. Baldwin. He never had to get a PhD. You see, he was born with one. And he made sure I knew that all my friggin' life. And so what did I do? I went and got a PhD. And I never even told him. I told him afterwards. 12 years it took me. And I never used it a day in my life. Never used it. 
And then I said the sentence and I knew if I could get past this point, it's easy from here, but oh, I break down. And I said, maybe it was just to make my dad proud. And that was for me, everyone was in tears. And that was, and I, I shed one tear. I found my emotional breakdown point. I just kept going and I just ricocheted off it. And it was one of the best speeches I've ever given. Huh. And, um, and so going back to the seven mindsets. So I developed seven mindsets on the back end of being taught um, as a speaker by Eric Edmeets. And, um, and basically, so the first one is, so these mindsets basically dictate every decision I make. The first one is um, make the event producer, event manager, event coordinator, um, make their life as easy and as pleasant as possible. Make them happy. Like literally the speaker that makes their life easy and pleasant is a speaker they want back at their event because there are there's problems everywhere and everything goes wrong at an event. And they want speakers that are just chill, you know, that, that'll get the job done and that will just help them solve all these problems. Um, so that's the first one. So because it's your customer, who's paying you? It's the event producer. Hmm. That's your customer. It's not the, not the audience. Most, a lot of speakers think it's the audience. It's not. That's a product. You are delivering information into their minds so that they're going to change something in the future. This is the product. Um, the second one is make your speaker agent as successful as possible. You see, um, trust, is, um, trust is earned by acting in the other person's best interest. And so if you want your speaker rate, because it's pretty, you know, who am I going to give the gift to? Like they have a choice of speakers. Like why are they going to trust you over somebody else? Well, if you act in their best interest, that's going to develop trust. If you're in it to make them successful, guess who they're going to send the gigs to? Because they, they basically present three speakers to a client and you got to make that list of three speakers. They have a hundred speakers to pick from. Why are they going to pick you in that list? Well, because they want you to succeed because you want them to succeed. So make your speaker agent as successful as possible. The third one is always have a no problems attitude. Always. So there are no problems. There are only opportunities to solve. And I'm really religious on that. Like there can be anything like from a fire to someone having a heart attack to technology not working to me having to do a second talk on that day to me having to MC the event because the MC hasn't turned up. No problem. Uh, sometimes you're on a stage and the next speaker hasn't turned up or they're sick or they, they've, or they've lost something and, and it's, there's, a, there's 500 people in the room that you can't go out to a breakout session. You're doing your keynote and you get a piece of paper up in the air plus 15 minutes. Like you have to go for another 15 minutes. No problem. You don't say that, but you're no problem. You're prepared for that. Hmm. Um, um, the fourth one is always go for the emotional connection. Because people don't remember what you say. They won't even remember what you do. People will remember how you made them feel. Because yeah. feelings give rise to emotions and it's emotions that make memory stick. I learned that as a, as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, so get people emotional. That will get them remembering you, remembering the topic you brought to them. And if that emotion is strong enough, they will even remember some of the content you delivered. Like a quote or a framework or just some some nugget of information. Because unless they remember it, then you have no chance of influencing them in the future. Um, the fifth one is live an interesting life, because that's how you collect stories. Right? And and great speaking is about great storytelling. 
you are you basically if you want people to feel inspired then you need to find a story that inspires you drop into that story tell it in an effective way pull people into the story and they're going to feel the same emotion um the sixth one is is um always finish on time and i'm religious about that like literally i've branded myself as a speaker that finishes on the second and you know and that, i got that from my dad too like he was a pilot on these islands and these islands are really small sometimes the airstrip spans the whole island so if my dad landed 30 seconds too early he lands in the ocean if he lands 30 seconds too late he lands in the ocean <laughs> he has to land on time so it's about landing that plane on time and and the speech maps basically the la the, the closing is the l15 how to land the plane and so when you have that down pat, you know how you're going to finish, then you can always finish on the second because you just wow. dropped that story, uh, you know, when you've got enough time left. Um, and the very last one, the seventh mindset is, is the one that's influenced me the most in my life. Actually it comes directly from Eric Admeets. He says it all the time and it's a great uh, quote uh, to be, yeah, to be rebooked as a speaker, but also to be hired as a consultant or for people to seek you out. And it's be so good, they can't ignore you. That's the quote. Be so good, they can't ignore you. And um, now I'm from Holland and there it's like a little bit arrogant. You know? In America, they love it. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's not, there's not about arrogance at all. It's about getting the best version of you, Make, getting the best version of yourself and, and, um, and, and having the courage to do that. Because, you know, we often like worrying about what other people think of us. Even And when we do our best and it's not good enough, what's that going to help? that going to make me feel? Like, am I yeah. going to quit? Am I going to get depressed? Or, um, but don't worry about that. Because you know what? Nobody's thinking of you. We're all thinking about ourselves. And so we spend way too much time worrying about what other people think of us when they're not. And so start spending that time and, and, and that energy, um, figuring out what you want and doing the stuff to get it. Mm. And uh, this is what this quote is about. And, and this works great because when you become so good, they can't ignore you. Well, an event manager, event producer will seek you out a second time and a third time. And guess what? They are connected. So speakers drop out all the time because they get sick. That's how I got my TED talk. And you need to be the no problem guy that's, or girl that says no problem i'll come tomorrow no problem i'll come this afternoon no problem i'll be there this evening so you're prepared for that you already got your talks down pat you're prepared for it and even if you don't i have a method now with speech maps and and story points where you can craft a speech in 15 minutes like that and wow. and i applied that to my ted talk and uh yeah so that that's the life of a speaker a bit huh? it's um lot of traveling i'm off to croatia tomorrow to teach 55 people i was in oslo two days ago to teach 40 people and uh when i get back from croatia i'm actually keynoting for the dutch police and that's an interesting story so they saw my ted talk and my <laughs> TED, one of the police people saw my ted talk it got all the way up to the head of the police in holland wow. he saw it and it was exactly in line with his speech earlier this year and now i'm keynoting for them <laughs> that is wild. So one thing you mentioned there, uh, your fifth point, I believe, was storytelling. And that's something that I'm super fascinated by, the ability to tell a good story. So can you give our listeners maybe some guidance or some, some mindset or some frameworks that you use when you're constructing a story or telling a story to an audience? Yeah, so the first thing is, is have something interesting to say. You know, have an interesting story. 
And, and one of the things you need to consider is what do they want? Like, why are they there? Like, why did they turn up? Why did they buy the ticket? Why are they going to sit there and listen to you for 30 minutes? And so, you know, at the highest level, I say it's about knowing who you are and what you want as a speaker. And it's about knowing what they, who they are and what they want. And then using story as a narrative to connect. To connect. And every time you tell a story, you've got to make a point. And it's got to make it pretty fast. Like people, you tell a story, unless it's a really amazing story and people don't care, it's too good a story to even make a point. Um, most of the time, you need to make a point. And even every, every great story makes a point. Like there's a reason why you're telling that story. So there, there are two ways. Usually, uh, you either tell a story and you back it up with, you tell a story and you make a point, or you make multiple points. Uh, or you make a point and you back it up with a story. So some people, for example, put up a quote on a slide and they'll read the quote out and they go to the next slide. That's pretty boring. Like some people might take a picture of it, but there's just no emotional connection whatsoever. Yeah. But what you can do instead is put up that quote. Don't read it out. Let them read it out because the most powerful stories, and then you tell a story, the most powerful stories is when the idea, the point you're trying to make wakes up in the head of the audience. You don't even have to say it because they relate to that story so well, they know exactly why you're telling it. And those are the most powerful stories and how you tell it. So I teach people in storytelling a lot. And um, I see one of the biggest hurdles is I need to become a good storyteller before I can tell my stories. I need to understand like, is there a trick? Is there like a, a tactic is that I mean, it, one, two, three, or do I start with why and all that sort of stuff, you know? Well, there, there are, there are ways to tell a story like the hero's journey, the metaphor, mm. uh, investment story, pain, potential proof, you know, this, the why, what, how, why, how, what, depending on whether you're pitching, you know, uh, products or services. Um, but really at the end of the day, it's about being you. People really respect that. It's about bringing you and doing you. And that's what everyone's afraid of. What are other people going to think of me? And the speaker that's able to get up on stage and really be themselves and share authentic stories in an effective way. I say every story, everyone has a story and every story deserves to be heard. If told well, because some people are just crap at sharing their <laughs> stories. And that's because either they're too nervous or, or they haven't practiced it. So practice telling the story. I'm always practicing. Like I'm practicing now, like I'm practicing over coffee. I'm practicing everywhere. Practice telling the story, get, get it down pat, know how to tell it in one minute, in three minutes, in 10 minutes. Um, and that you just go into more detail with the 10 minutes. And, and what the trick is, is to actually not tell the story at all, but share the story share it. So you need to drop into it first. You need to recall it from memory. Like what people will do is write out a script of what this story is about and they'll try to remember the script, but that all goes wrong because now they're just trying to remember script. And what if they forget, Oh my God, I'll get nervous and I'll black out. And guess what? You do black out and you blank out and you don't remember and everyone goes, what the hell is he doing? And so what you need to do is remember the story, practice telling it, and then when you're on stage, all you do is drop into your story and you share it. You share that story. And when you share it, what people do is they connect with it and they relate to it and they can feel the emotion you're feeling. 
And now you don't have to remember anything. Well, you don't have to recall anything. You just remember it. So it becomes really easy. Hmm. And, um, so story sharing. I like that. I like that framework shift from like telling a story to sharing a story. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Chris. Well, I have some questions that I like to ask all of my guests before we do wrap up the show. I know you've been dropping a lot of value so far. I've been, I've been getting a lot out of this as, as somebody who's getting more into the speaking space. So I'm super stoked to go back and listen to this and take some notes, but um, you ready to hop into those questions? Yep. Awesome. So the first thing I want to ask you is um, what are you genuinely excited about right now? I know there's a lot of things like conspiring for you right now in your life, but like, what is something that genuinely has you fired up? Um, so you haven't heard the end of this story, but I launched a 10 X speaker, mm -hmm. which is a, um, a prototype to something new that's coming up. And I basically launched it in 60 days, got a lot of people excited, gay speaker training. So I train people for free. It's called 10 xspeakercom You can sign up. And if there's enough people in one area, I'll fly in and I'll give you a free training for a day. Wow. And, um, and, and, but that was just a prototype to something new that's coming. And that's Speaker Nation. And Speaker Nation is basically a network of clubs around the world that are going to teach you effective communication skills, but turn you really into, into, um, into uh, someone that, that, that has a voice, someone that can communicate in a powerful and effective way and really building leaders, you know, building some, a thought leader, someone that really dares to stand up have a voice, whether it be in an organization, whether it be for your startup, whether it be at home against your parents, but also against your kids and uh, someone that really is able to communicate effectively. And uh, that's Speaker Nation. And that's what's get, getting me really excited now because I'm actually co-founding with Eric Edmeets, the guy who trained. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he's like a like top level when you, when he comes yeah. to the world. Yeah. Awesome. That's super. That's super cool. I'm, I'm stoked for you, man. Um, do you have any habits that have served you particularly well, either in your business, your speaking, your lifestyle, but just things you do on a regular basis? Um, yeah, I've got three, um, just three principles I live by and they call the groundhog principles. And you know, have you heard, have you seen groundhog day? Like, yeah, from yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I love that movie. You know, it's like, he just keeps repeating the day over and over and over and over again until he gets the girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, and so the first one is, uh, um, uh, start our day the groundhog way. So every time you start your day, it's just another chance to get it right. Like mm. rinse and repeat, like keep, uh, live your life in daytight cham day chambers and just see life as one day at a time. Yesterday's gone. You can't do anything about it. You can learn from it. Tomorrow hasn't come. So it hasn't been written. It's all up for grabs. The only thing you have control over is the moment through your choices. And, um, and this is how I, I start my day always. I get a very rhythmic about how I start my day and I start my day the groundhog way. The other one is um, if in doubt, go without. And this is a really important one because um, we're influenced by the people around us telling us all this shit. And, and really it's about so what do you want and what, what's your inner voice telling you? And if that inner voice is saying a hint of no, go without, just say no. Hmm. If it's telling you a hint of yes, go with it. Like, don't let your rational brain decide it's full of shit. You know, it'll save you when you, when you're drunk and, and want to cross the road in front of a car, it'll save you. So don't, don't ignore it either. 
but don't let that be the drive of your decisions and your heart, you know, your feelings, you know, I feel tired. I feel angry. Uh, I want to go to the gym, but I feel, I feel so, you know, I feel, I'm not feeling well and you know, the, it'll get in your way too, but don't, don't ignore that either because you need that to love people. You need that for your relationships. You need that to connect with people. But the, the, the key is the, this inner voice and that's the butterflies in your stomach. You know, they, they knock you up when you know it's not right. And uh, so I do most of my decision making uh, down there in my stomach. Mm. And I find that 95% of the decisions I make down there are the right ones. That's and the, 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 very, uh, the, the third principle is taking action makes it happen. Bloody hell, we're just talking about it. Like talking about it's not gonna help. Like action's gonna help. People don't care who you are. People care what you do for them. So it's about taking action and success is really just a reflection of the actions you took. You know, you, you, there's no success without action. You have to take action. And, um, and that's one of the principles. Taking action makes it happen. They all rhyme and there's <laughs> only three. And, and this is, I found that these three um, were, uh, 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 all I need. There's a fourth one I'm building in. Hmm. Mm, I'm still considering it. It all came right. from someone I know, and that's that busy people make time. I like that one. I like yeah. it because one thing that you get back, I'm too busy for this. Like, I want to do it. I want to, and I can do it. I'm too busy for this. So, busy people make time. And as a leader, you know, you are like running an organization you are like flat out it's about choices it's about priorities and what happens when a new a new recruit needs needs you like well busy people make time you make time for it and um i'm still working that one i'm still working it but i think it's a good one too especially as you get busier in life and you know because you're running a business and the business is all about being busy <laughs> doesn't rhyme though no, 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 it doesn't rhyme. So that, that, maybe that's the reason why I haven't built it in yet. I need to find a rhyme one. <laughs> exactly. Well, Chris, man, I'm super grateful for you choosing to spend your time here on Young Smart Money. Where can our listeners go if they've been enjoying the value you've been providing and they want to follow up with you and learn more about what you're doing with both 10X Speaker and Speaker Nation? So I'm, all, I'm on all the social platforms. Um, I communicate quite regularly, daily. I'm sharing all stuff regarding speaking, but also entrepreneurship. So Chris Baldwin, and um, there are a lot of Chris Baldwins. So if you put PhD behind it, I'm always there. Um, I think I'm the only one with a PhD. Um, <laughs> but I'm on YouTube. There are plenty of videos you can watch there. You can watch my TED Talk. Actually, I'm ranking number one for Chris Baldwin now for my TED Talk. So that's, nice. uh, you can find. And on Google too, I'm starting to rank number one, chrisbaldwin.nl. Otherwise, probably the best, play to con best place to connect with me on a professional level is LinkedIn. Cool. That's, um, that's where I'm all like engaged in discussions and everything. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll put a link to that in the show notes for our listeners to find. Chris, do you have any last uh, words of wisdom, parting thoughts, or anything you want to wrap the show up here with today? Oh, geez. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's bring it down to speaking, right? Yeah. So if you're ever going to consider pitching your business or... Um, pitching yourself like as an interview or pitching to your organization because you have a great idea or actually taking to the stage because you want to, you know, you want to be seen as a thought leader. It's going to bring you opportunities. Then just remember this thing, people feel what you feel. So as a speaker, if you want people to feel inspired, you need to feel inspired. When you first take to the stage, you're going to feel very nervous. Just realize that if you feel nervous, 
they're going to feel nervous for you. And so just remember that little thing. So it's about, you know, in the 10X speaker trainings, 10xspeaker.com, everyone can sign up. I'll give free speaker trainings. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but that'll, I'll figure that out along the way. Um, uh, I teach this, how to overcome fear, how to overcome stage fright. And when you get this, man, it's like, it's a free ticket to, to pleasure and <laughs> happiness. <laughs> I love it. Well, Chris, again, thank you so much for your time. It has been a pleasure chatting with you today. Um, I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Apple. Thanks. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Well, there we go. Another episode of Young Smart Money in the Books. Glad you guys were here to spend it with us um, and really soak up as much value as possible from the guest of the day. Now, if you guys haven't already left us a review on iTunes, I know I say it at the end of every single episode, but I really do love those reviews. We've got nearly 200 at this point, which is absolutely amazing. It's crazy to see that we're reaching hundreds of thousands of people with the podcast and that some of you guys have actually chosen to go out of your way, take five seconds and write us a review it means the absolute worst to me. And again, if you guys don't know where to find the review section, because a lot of you guys hit me up and you're like, I want to write your review. I, I love Young Smart Money so much, but I don't know where to write the review. You just scroll all the way down. You go to Young Smart Money, you scroll all the way down past all the episodes, past nearly 200 episodes, and you find the write a review section. You leave me all of your thoughts, all of your genuine, heartfelt comments about the show. I read them all. I digest them all. They get me going every single day. So I really appreciate that. And the last thing that I want to say to you guys before we wrap up here is I want you guys to take action. Okay. You just spent nearly an hour, maybe more than an hour consuming this content. And I want you guys to take action. Okay. I really encourage you to, while you're going through the show, be mindful, take notes, really soak in the information. Don't just be there and let the information flow through you. Like let it soak into who you are and really, really find something, find one thing that you can take away from this episode that you can go out there and actually apply right now in your day today. Okay. I want you guys to stop listening for po to podcasts for the next little bit here, uh, maybe the next 15 minutes and just think about how you can start to take action. Okay. Think about one thing that somebody said in this podcast today that you can apply to your own life and go out there and implement it. Okay. And then let me know how it went. Cause guys, I see so many people just listening to content, soaking up content all day long, but they never do anything with it. Okay. So I want you guys, I don't want that to be you. I want you to be the person who actually takes action. So go out there, take some action. Let me know how it goes. And I will see you in the next episode.